This is the Insight is Capital podcast. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcasters and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of advisoranalyst.com. This podcast is meant to be for informational purposes only. Nothing discussed in this podcast is intended to be considered as advice. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Insight is Capital podcast. My name is Pierre Daly, Managing Editor of AdvisorAnalyst.com. Our guests are Judy Parody and Paulette Fillion, partners at StrategyMarketing.ca and co-authors of the terrific new book, Invest in Her, The Smart Financial Advisor's Guide to Winning Female Clients. Um, According to numerous studies, women are on course to control about half of all accumulated wealth in Canada within the next decade. The financial industry, though, which remains dominated by males, has been slow to evolve in light of this extraordinary socioeconomic trend. We're a long way from the 1960s. Women are getting elected to government. They're gaining an influential foothold on boards of directors. They start businesses. They are terrific consumers. Women are also expected to live longer than men. And this is right from this book. Today, women account for 62% of university graduates. Women also represent almost half of all practicing lawyers and accountants, more than 60% of all new physicians, and are the main breadwinners in 40% of all households. Without further ado, Paulette, Judy, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for agreeing to join us. Well, thank you, Pierre. It's it's a pleasure. And for us, it's an honor, and we're, we're excited about our conversation today. In your new book, Invest in Her, you say advisors are missing the obvious, They have failed to see that their future success depends on women of every age and background. Before we get started, I think it might be helpful if you both took turns telling our audience a little bit about your backgrounds. Sure. Uh, Yeah, no, Paulette and I have very, very different backgrounds. Uh, I started a marketing company back in about 1984. And as it happened, most of my clients ended up being blue chip financial organizations, amongst others. We had a fairly large staff and and we were frequently called upon to do various campaigns for large uh, large organizations. When I wound that uh, agency down, uh, I had done a lot of thinking about segmentation. And, and what occurred to me is that the financial institutions were always talking about niche markets, women being a niche market. And we often did brochures that were aimed at women. Um, so when I wound the agency down, I wrote a white paper that basically talked about why women um, why women were misunderstood in marketing. And Paulette happened to, I, I think I might have sent it to her, but she read the white paper and she, Paulette and I had known each other from way back. And she said, Judy, you know, the biggest disconnect isn't just advertising generally, but it's between uh, the financial world not understanding women. Well, that certainly resonated with me because to be honest, when I started my agency, I knew absolutely nothing about the financial world. I was in a position where I had some money. I was whacking money into, back then it was super new, RRSPs. And I had no idea where my money was going, what it was doing. I actually said to Paulette at one point, you know, uh, Paulette was talking about CRM2 and about uh, fees and so on. And I actually said to Paulette one time, oh, Paulette, I don't pay fees. Of course, she died laughing at that. Uh, She has certainly educated me an awful lot about that world. So 
I come to this partnership with a background in marketing and a background in being one of those women that had money and had no idea of what to expect from the financial community. So I found out that I was really poorly served, but I didn't even realize it because I didn't know that there was an alternative. Um, and like I said, Paulette has hugely educated me since then. Paulette. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, my background is all financial services. I started in the industry um, many, many, many years ago, uh, worked uh, corporately for uh, almost 20 years, uh, both in Canada and the United States with uh, distribution firms and asset management firms, uh, insurance companies, um, and then started my own consulting uh, firm almost 20 years ago, another 20 years ago. Um, and um, uh I've always worked with helping financial advisors uh, build their practices, reach out to clients, uh, communication, marketing. And um, when I uh, met Judy um, and we talked about the disconnect between the financial industry and, uh, and women, uh, that had come from a, a background also of trying to get the industry to pay more attention to women. And, and so when we got together, the first thing we did was write a white paper, uh, why women leave their financial advisors. And it, the timing was right. It seemed to resonate with a number of firms who were discovering that women were the next big market for them. And uh, since that time, we've, uh, we've been writing, uh, we've been presenting, we've been blogging, we've been working with financial advisors on how to be more female friendly. When the subject comes up of learning how to work with women, implied in that is that the idea that women are somehow difficult. The reality is that it's not that women are difficult, it's that women are different. It's learning how, you know, for advisors, it's a matter of learning how women are different to deal with, how women process ideas, how uh, women process financial advice relative to their lives and their lifestyles and their families and their values. It's very different. It's definitely asymmetrical. It's it's nonlinear. I think that's one of the ways in which uh, sometimes men and women differ is that men are quite apt to have discussions around the, the market and performance and, you know, how's my portfolio doing versus the benchmark. But for women, that's not necessarily, it's not that they wouldn't participate in that discussion. It's just not relative to what matters to them. I think I would, yeah, very much agree with that. And, and you know, before we sort of even talk about the differences between women from a financial perspective, not to dumb the conversation down, but an analogy that we frequently use that resonates with people is if you look at the retail industry, and again, this is going back to my marketing background, if you look at the retail industry and you go into a large department store, the retail industry understood that women were their primary market and they did an enormous amount of research on how women think and, and how they shop. And, and like you said, Pierre, it's a very different process. It's not as... Uh, it's, it's sort of multifaceted. So if you look at a women's section in a department store, you'll find hats and scarves and gloves and, and all kinds of things put together in groups because that's what resonates with women. They they pick, they shop, they stroll around. If you look at the men's section, you could shoot a, you, you know, you could shoot a shotgun down the aisle and it would be, you know, belts, underwear, and he's out the other end. So as you very appropriately said, women think differently and, and, and that certainly, certainly translates into the financial world as well. And 
Well, and I'll add to that, that uh, we're not trying to help financial advisors get around women's way of connecting with money uh, so that they can get to the the portfolio, which is what matters to them. Um, It's about how do you talk in a way that women get engaged? Because if they are going to be your client, your sole clients after the husband dies, uh, then you better have done a good job of connecting with them all along the way and they with you. Uh, because that will make the difference of whether or not they stay with you or they leave you. And that's why it's important to understand just how to talk about all this financial, uh, the, the financial matters in a way that where women say, yes, that's the way I connect with money. That's the way I think about it. Um, and if you can do a good job of that, you will absolutely retain these women uh, when the husbands die. Uh, mostly it's, it's really a great deal of listening for the right things, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. But I think even before how you translate the finances, and, and I know, you know, Paulette and I talk about this an awful lot, it's about creating a relationship. I think uh, it's not just like going to your mechanic who says, this is what's wrong with your car. This is a very personal relationship. There's nothing more personal than finances to people. So before I talk about my finances, before I talk about my family, before I sort of engage this person, I think women want to be able to trust that person. They want to know them as a human being. When when I meet you, I don't want you to spew, you know, rates of return and whip out your laptop and say, this is what my company does. I want to know who you are. Do you have a family? Do you not have a family? Do you understand me? Um, you know, would I be comfortable sitting down and having a cup of coffee with you? Because if I'm not comfortable with you as a person, you're never going to be able to create a relationship or have me trust you enough to sort of talk about, spill my guts, as it were, about my family and my hopes and my dreams. And I think that's what, you know, Paulette was saying about translating those finances. It's not a spreadsheet. It's my life. (laughs) You know, that's a big distinction. Yeah. What's interesting as well is um, that a lot of men connect this way as well. So if you do a good job of talking about finances in a way that resonates with women, it will also resonate with a lot of men who are less likely to say, you know, don't talk to me about the portfolio, talk to me about how I'm going to be able to afford to retire. Um, A lot of men think that way, but they think, well, the only way that this advisor knows how to talk about the portfolio is just about the portfolio. They don't know there's there's another choice for them as well. It's really the advisor who leads the relationship in terms of the financial planning. It's, it's really up to the advisor to ask the right questions. Absolutely. Uh, I think the advisor uh, is the one responsible for making sure that uh, they listen uh, to what people are saying and how they think about their money so that they are able to talk about the portfolio in terms that make sense, whether they're a man or a woman. Yeah, but they have to ask the questions. They have to ask the questions and they have to they have to initiate developing a relationship. Uh, and that can start right at the point where where she's, uh, you know, interviewing different advisors to see which one you, that she's the most comfortable with. Uh, you know, the scenario we often see is if it's a husband and wife that's the client, if the advisor has never made the effort to talk to the wife 
it really is incumbent on the advisor to say, hey, Judy, what do you think? It's not just about your husband. What do you think about retiring? So, yeah, it's incumbent upon them to reach out. And it's not only, a, you know, a tick mark item. I've reached out to the woman. It's being genuine. It's it's honestly caring about yeah. where where her what her goals are. We often say that when you have a couple as a client, you don't have a client, one client, you have two clients. Uh, and you've got to make sure that you engage with both of them uh, so that when and if the husband dies, you're able to uh, continue on the relationship with the, the client left behind. I think what I, what I was going to get get at was the idea that, that maybe a universal approach is maybe an effective way to go so that you're engaging both parties, both the husband and wife, in the conversation as opposed to, oh, the husband is the lead decision maker, the husband is the financial decision maker. There's no way for an advisor to know that going into initial meetings with new clients. There's no way to know that. It might actually be more helpful if you just assumed that both parties had a role in decision making. Yeah, for sure. There's advisors that um, now, more so perhaps than years ago, I won't even take on a couple unless both are in the room uh, and unless they can engage them both. So they insist that both the couples, both of the you know members of the couple have to be there. So they're smart. They've realized that it, it should be a mutual decision. And, uh, you know, that way they can really listen and, and get a lay of the land who's making the decisions. And, you know, another thing that Paulette and I often talk about, because advisors will say to us, well, the woman's not listening. She's in the room, but she sits there and she's bored and, and whatever. And we say, you know what, it's up to you to make this conversation palatable for them. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's some of the things we talk about in our book on how to do that. And she, she's bored. She's bored because she's not really interested in uh, the stock market or earnings or you know, uh, volatility or what's happening to a portfolio, unless it's unless it's connected to her family, her future, retirement, uh, lifestyle, education for the children, healthcare, whatever it is that matters at any given moment. I think it's really up to the advisor to lay the groundwork uh, right at the beginning about why these things, why those things matter, what matters most to both parties, and, and maybe even, you know, polling them both as opposed to just letting either the husband or wife lead the conversation. You should try to make it as engaging as possible. I just remember it's a very delicate conversation in the very beginning because the last thing you want to do as an advisor is overstep and ask questions that are too intimate because then you get pushback if you don't, you know, wait till the right moment to actually get into the more intimate details of people's lives and find out what matters to them, what's going on, how their children are, how old their children are, when 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 all those, you know, key moments in their life are coming and how far away they are or asking even, you know, about their accounts, what kind of what kind of assets they have. That's not something people want to talk about at the outset. The universal approach is really to get a feel for for both the husband and wife right at the beginning as opposed to getting into the the brass tacks, getting into uh, what you know, what kind of business can you bring me? It's always best for advisors to, to turn the conversation around as opposed to, you know, why should we do business with you? What can I do for you? What are you here for? What are you trying to accomplish? It's, it's about developing a relationship. So if you look at it the same as dating, um, you don't go out with someone and say, hey, do you think you'd like to marry me? You know, you build a relationship and, and, and that takes time. So absolutely, like you just said here, you start out with saying, you know, what is it that you're looking for? How how can I be of service to you? How What kind of a relationship 
do you see this? And and it'll build, sure, absolutely. But the more you know about them, just like any other social engagement, the more you know about them, uh, the better you can serve them in the long run. Paulette, and I should let her tell the story, but she she tells a story about a, a family that... Uh, I think they were finally ready to retire, Paulette, and you said the the advisor had no idea that they had a handicapped child. Yeah, and he lost the account uh, as a result. Uh, What's interesting about uh, engaging women as well is they will tell you the details of their lives. They will voluntarily. The advisor doesn't have to start picking at at very personal things. The women tend to want to tell you that they, uh, that they have a disabled child or her husband uh, has had two heart attacks or uh, that uh, they've got a son who's uh, an addict. Or women are more likely to contribute that information knowing how important it is to the conversation around money. Uh, whereas men will tend to not say that, you know, the dirty laundry, so to speak, uh, of the family. And so engaging women is the entry point, is the way for advisors to really get to know their clients very intimately. But just at the outset, what do you think is the most important question that an advisor can lead off the conversation with? Well, I think that when you're meeting someone for the first time, the one of the best, uh, not questions, but a way to frame the conversation forward is tell me about yourself. Uh, tell me about why you're here. Uh, but with clients, it may be uh, tell me how what you think about when you think about money. When you think about what we're doing here, what comes through your mind? What is important to you? Why are you accumulating this amount of money? Uh, what do you want to do with it at the end of the day? And I think that those questions open up the conversation so that, but you've got to be really attuned to listening to what, because people won't necessarily tell you everything the first, uh, as they first start speaking. You, the more you let them talk, the more they will start telling you so that the answer really is maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes into the conversation. As you said earlier, Paulette, um, women will talk a lot more about these sorts of things than than men. So they are, if, if you start out the conversation with, tell me about yourself, you know, what is it that you're looking for? How do you see this relationship? How, what are you comfortable with? Um, the women will tell you a lot more. So maybe advisors aren't used to framing a question that way. Um, advisors that, that we, we encountered one at a, a lunch and learn where uh, he said, you know, everything you said was wonderful. Thank you. And now can you give me a little bit of personal help? He said, I'm seeing a woman for the first time um, tomorrow or whenever. And he said, I'd love you to look at my PowerPoint presentation, whether it would resonate. And Paulette and I looked at each other and said, you know, don't take it. And he was, he was aghast, but, you know, just go and ask her, talk to her, say, you know, and, and there's plenty of time for a PowerPoint presentation, you know, weeks from now, not now, but just talk. And I think that's good advice. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the, the problem is that that's a little bit scary. Maybe that's a little daunting is maybe the proper word. It might be a little daunting to start off a conversation like that because it's, you know, it's deep waters. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and advisors feel a need to, for the most part, to fill the air, to uh, to lead the conversation by saying things. And uh, but great advisors know they have to, they don't have to say anything. They this is the time for the person to start 
telling the advisor what it is that they are looking for, what's important to them, what experiences have they had in the past. And so the more silent you are, the more they will feel compelled to fill the air. (laughs) And that's a good thing because it reveals what you need to know to be able to even begin a conversation around money. Absolutely. The best advice um, that we ever read was was in that uh, uh, pivotal book, Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. And and he said the best thing you can do to de-stress a situation for a woman is to say, tell me more. He was talking, obviously, about, you know, marital relationships. Tell me more, dear. Uh, Whereas the best thing a woman can say to a man in a marital relationship is, you're right, dear. (laughs) So that says a lot. And I think the advice to advisors is, listen ask and say, tell me more. So if she says, I went to college and la la, oh, that sounds fascinating. Can you tell me more about that? And she probably will. You know, women are rarely at a loss for words. They will tell you more. (laughs) I think, uh, you know, going back to the PowerPoint, see, you know, maybe some advisors don't realize that, that the PowerPoint is like a sword or a shield. You know, you're going into battle and, and maybe, you know, you feel like you need the PowerPoint to make sure that, that the conversation stays in your comfort zone as opposed to the client's comfort zone. Yeah, but the, but the PowerPoint is all about you. It's all about the advisor. This is how we do it. This is what we do. And every single advisor has a foolproof method of, of making sure that you don't lose your money. They all have some, you know, magic bullet. Um, and, so if if you're so um, keen on showing how great you are, what a fantastic job you can do, then the conversation is all about you. And I think you have to realize when you go in there, it's not about you. It's it's about that other person. Um, you know, we talk about, you know, going in with a PowerPoint and, and one advisor told us, oh, no, no, I make them very personal. I, I put their name in the middle of the PowerPoint <laughs> to say this presentation is for, you know. <laughs> personalized. Yeah, it's a personalized PowerPoint. And, the, you know, that's again, it's it's not about you. I think we tell advisors, I think somewhere in the book, maybe we have a new section that's called that, Paula, is, is put your put your ego in your pocket. It's not about you. When when you're talking to a woman, she's if she has you, if she's gone to the point of interviewing you, she's going to assume that you know what you're doing. You don't have to brag about your credentials or how amazing you or your company are. It's it's more about the relationship. Let's talk about working with with women. I mean, specifically how to attract more women as clients. Uh, and I know it's you know it's universal. It's not. It is a male-dominated business, but there are an increasing number of women getting into the industry and getting into the the advice business. So I wanted to sort of get into where you get, you know, you talk about fishing where the fish are. You might need to hang out where women hang out. Now, is that advice universal? Is that something that applies to both men and women in the business? I don't think it matters. Uh, Certainly, uh, female advisors might have an advantage in terms of uh, being able to go to a a women's spa, for instance. And and we know one advisor who's gotten several clients that way. Uh, But having said that, there are many other uh, places where women who have money to invest you know, congregate and and socialize with their friends, and uh, certainly anything to do with um, uh, with 
fundraising, whether that be around education or culture or health, hospital volunteers, uh, all of the, those areas, a theater group, um, it could even be like a school lunch program. All of those things are where women tend to congregate with uh, other women. And if they're trying to raise money and trying, then they want to do it for causes that are uh, that are important to them. It doesn't mean that that's their that advisors should join all of those things. They should find whatever works locally, whatever, uh, wherever the, the women who have some, some income or wealth, uh, where they congregate, where do they socialize, what's important to them in your community, and then find ways to either join the board or uh, find ways to, if it's a co-ed program, go, go in with your own spouse. But remember, this isn't about selling them at that point. It isn't about you know, handing out your business cards. It's right. simply connecting with these women, getting to know who they are, getting to know them uh, uh, around uh, a subject that's important to them, around a, a cause that's important to them. And then eventually you, you start developing a stronger relationship. And they, you don't have to necessarily be giving a PowerPoint presentation right. for women to understand that you're, you're a financial advisor and that that's what you do for a living. Uh, and eventually uh, the connection will be made. And, and, but do something that you love as well as uh, where, what these other women find uh, interesting as well. I think that's a really important point that you have to be authentic. Uh, there's no point in, in going to the opera and pretending you love the opera and, and joining you know, some group if you don't know one from the other. So you have to be authentic, because I think if you're there, like Paulette said, handing out business cards, uh, it, it, you'll be shooting yourself in the foot. So find something you love, find something that you like to do, whether it's gardening or the opera or the theater, or, or you know, it, it could be food. You know, we, we ran into one advisor who's a foodie. He, he's Italian, he loves cooking. So he organizes uh, diners clubs and meets all kinds of women. It's a very creative process that's really about surfacing and being seen and making people aware of your presence, that you exist and being available. One example that you cite is a local women's networking group. I can see where female advisors would be more comfortable in that sort of, you know, fish where the fish are setting. I'm just wondering how a male advisor would, would adapt. It might be a little bit harder for a man to surface in a women's networking group. Well, I think that uh, that networking is, is something that not only women do, but uh, men are also part of it. Uh, this isn't the time to try and sell yourself. Men, as Judy was saying, men should be doing things that they love to do. For instance, if, if technology is their, you know, their thing that they love to do, why not teach older people um, how to use social media? Because many sure. of them are trying to reach out to their grandchildren. Uh, or if you're a musician, and we know a few advisors who are musicians, uh, they teach kids how to play the guitar. Um, or as Judy said, the, the one we know who's a foodie, who has diners clubs, uh, so it is all about finding whatever works for you and figuring out how do I connect with the women in my community who have money to invest. Um, and if it's not obvious, then ask your, you know, your friends and your family. And uh, where is it? How can I make sure that I can join this group or join this association? Uh, there isn't one simple answer. It, it really depends on your own community and what what you love to do and how to 
bridge that divide and may be something that you uh, are comfortable with, but also helps you connect or meet uh, women who possibly could be clients in the future. It's like you said, Pierre, you have to, you, you put it very well, you have to be out there, you have to be seen. I think the old days, perhaps, where uh, advisors sat in their office and played dialing for dollars and making cold calls and acquiring new clients, um, that, that model doesn't work with women. You can't. So just get out in your community, whatever it is, you know, in in your local community and and just be seen, be heard, but be seen and be heard in in a a female sort of friendly fashion. And that could be ask me anything. You know, instantly men do network. Um, You know, you you think of all the the. after hours, the bars were the, the you know a sports bar or playing golf. They're used to that because it's their comfort zone. Um, there's women that play golf too, and you know there's high end sports that you can get involved in. Um, you know whether it's tennis or skiing or you know whatever it is, uh, curling. You know, join a curling club. You know, there's going to be people there. Figure skating, kids, you know. Men often divide their lives from their business. So if you just take some, take a moment to look at your own life. Like, what do you do? What do you and your family do? Uh, And how can you dig deeper and, and get more involved in that? And I think most advisors will find that they're way more interesting people than their clients think they are. Yeah, so, so coming back, just to circle back now, to fi- so fishing where the fish are isn't about prospecting. It's just really, it's about raising awareness in the community of who you are and maybe indirectly without handing out a business card, letting people in on what you do. I think maybe one of the issues with men, uh, male advisors, is they're not used to the amount of time that it takes necessarily to get a female client. So uh, we find that the average uh, uh, advisor will give up after three sort of contacts maximum. You know, I I met her at the opera. I've called her once. I reached out again. I haven't engaged her, forget it, moving on. Whereas women, I think it's seven, seven touch points. So it could take a long time. So you have to be a little bit patient. And, and you know, again, you're not going to get married on the second date, you know, it, it, and, and if you're engaged in that, uh, if, if you're engaged in the curling club and you meet people, eventually somebody will figure out that you're a financial advisor because people invariably will say, so what do you do? It sounds interesting. And you say, well, I, you know, um, and, you know, sooner or later, somebody will know that. And and if you're a nice person, if you're a person that they're comfortable with and you've they've asked a couple of questions, oh, that's interesting. You're a financial advisor. I've, I've got this. And you just answer it. Um, you may get a client out of that. And once you get one, women refer. What is it? 11 times more or something, Paulette, than than men. Um, so if if I love my financial advisor, I'm going to tell all my friends about it. So it's a bit of a domino effect, but it can take a while. It's not instant. I mean, one of the things you, uh, you need to remember is that uh, oftentimes when we've interviewed women uh, who invest um, and we ask, so how did you find your financial advisor? A lot of them will say, I didn't know anybody or uh, so I asked a friend. Uh, but if they've been meeting someone who's a financial advisor at their, you know, fundraiser or at their uh, networking uh, meeting, then they will think about you. Uh, it, it's such a simple way 
of connecting with a lot of people in a more meaningful way than simply saying, do you need financial advice and am I the guy kind of thing, or am I the, am I the, the advisor you'll pick today? Um, uh, and if they've known you, if they've been with you, uh, and, and when you said, you know, maybe advisors aren't uncomfortable, well, we've talked to advisors. I remember talking to an advisor uh, in Winnipeg uh, who joined uh, a, a, a very obscure Baroque <laughs> music a uh, uh, small group of women who, and he was the only guy. He was the only guy who joined, but he loved Baroque music and he joined the group and he's gotten several clients from this uh, because he was doing something he loved. So he wasn't going there to try and hand out his business cards or sell them. He was simply joining the group because he enjoyed the music. Right. And as a result of, of doing that work, of meeting with these women, of chatting them up, of, uh, of being there, when they needed financial advice, they didn't think of anyone else because they didn't know anyone else but this particular advisor. And uh, so it can be done. And that's why uh, Judy and I say over and over again, find something you love uh, right. and then go from there. Uh, because if you find something you love, then you will stick with it. You will uh, put in the time because you're enjoying yourself as well. It's letting go of all the sort of formulaic approaches that you've been taught through training, through the old school type of training, the linear approach to attracting clients and, and roaming in, in areas that are naturally interesting to you, but taking a more natural approach to just showing up, just being there. You know, I, I always love the old quote, 80% of success is showing up. And for a long time, I have to admit, I didn't understand it fully, what Woody Allen meant by that, which was just be there, just be around, be in places you enjoy being. You're going to have conversations when you're in those types of social situations. And when people ask you, uh, only when people ask you, you know, what you do, that's when you tell them. But And the key is to keep it natural, to wait till you're asked. That's probably a big part of the patience is not talking about yourself in an unsolicited way. And you know, you know, it's not natural if you feel like you're making an effort to push into a conversation about yourself. It should be more about taking an interest in other people. Well, we often, Judy and I often say, be curious about people, just people in general. Uh, it doesn't mean every every person, new person you meet is going to become a client, uh, but every person you meet doesn't become a client now. So simply be, be interested in what uh, the journeys that people have taken uh, in their lives and where it's gotten them. And that opens up uh, a whole other uh, area of the financial services industry that says the money isn't just for the money's sake. The money is so people can live their life. And, and if you're interested in what people are doing in their lives, then the money will come from that uh, as opposed to the other way around. The key then is to keep the flow of conversations and relationships that are forming natural. That's right. Paulette, you've had a lot of experience working directly with advisors. Um, and one of the chapters, one of the points that you make in your book is um, relate to her around money. This is where women communicate and have different perspectives than men. How are women different from men when it comes to relating to investing and money? Well, I think uh, one of the main things is that conversation around goals, life goals, uh, which, uh, you know, advisors have been doing, especially the ones who do financial planning, 
uh, they talk about life goals. Uh, they'll say, so, you know, what's important to you? So I want to make sure that we have an income in retirement, or I want to make sure that uh, Bob and I can travel when, uh, when we're retired, or I want to help my granddaughter, you know, go to Harvard or whatever it happens to be. Uh, but the conversation doesn't end at the financial plan. Uh, when you're talking about the portfolio, you also need to say, okay, so now instead of just talking about asset allocation or just talking about investment returns, you, you need to connect the dots to what she said was important. So uh, right now we've uh, been able to develop yeah, a, a plan or the, the account, the portfolio can generate $2,000 a month in retirement. But our goal is really to get it to $5,000 a month whatever that happens to be, if that's the goal. Uh, or right now we've been able to pay for your granddaughter's first year of university at Harvard, but we wanna be able to make that three years of uh, Harvard. Uh, or if uh, it's a travel budget, uh, we're now uh, at the point where we've got $10,000 set aside for your travel budget every year. But our goal is really to get that to 15 so you can fly first class or whatever it happens right. to be. It's making sure that you connect the dots along the entire spectrum of conversation. It isn't a separate conversation for financial planning. And then when you get to talking about portfolio, it's a different conversation. Uh, you need to connect the dots. It means that advisors have to do some work and have to understand uh, you know what? What uh, they have to understand what exactly when they talk about fund their retirement. What exactly are they talking about? Are they talking about two thousand dollars a month, or are they talking ten thousand dollars a month, or what are what does that mean? And how much does it cost yeah. to go to Harvard? Uh, they need to know those uh, those quantifiable uh, uh, numbers so that they're able to 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 understand how this portfolio of 500,000, a million dollars, $2 million will help uh, in generating whatever that uh, that income stream later on is, is needed. So that's, that's the difference, I think, uh, between men and women in particular. But again, I'll come back to the, uh, to the point that men also connect on this level as yeah. well. They may just not ask for it uh, as readily as women. Uh, and women expect this conversation. If I told you that having $5,000 in retirement was important, then I expect you, uh, when we're talking about portfolio, to talk to me about right. that. It's the why that matters. Yes. More than, than the what. Yeah, right? absolutely. Think, so that means a lot of listening. That means, uh, you know, truly listening to to the both the husband and wife making a lot of notes and and being able to turn those goals into numbers and vice versa the numbers into goals. One important point to make uh, when you mention notes, um, oftentimes uh, I remember meeting with one advisor who took copious notes of our conversation, but the notes were all about him. <laughs> You know, he wasn't listening to me. He was just taking notes. Uh, so the notes were going to make, you know, what I was telling him, he wasn't connecting with me. Um, and in terms of uh, having a trusting relationship, I remember interviewing uh, a few advisors about people in retirement. And some advisors would say, my job is growing the portfolio as big as mine. my job is not telling them how to spend it in retirement. Uh, and they and that's that was their value proposition. Uh, but there were other few, very few advisors who said things like, 
My job is to really understand to, uh, not only how to fund whatever it is that they need, whatever income they need, but also to get them started in the right way. And so they would say things uh, like, um, I make sure that in the first few years of uh, retirement that I review all their expenses. And again, I ask the question, does that not seem like, you know, do these people not say, mind your own business? And he said, absolutely not, uh, because they know if I can get them going in the right direction in those first couple of years in retirement, that they'll be fine the rest of the way. So again, he happened to have a very strong personal relationship with each and every one of his clients. Um, and and that's the trick is, and you can't develop that the day they retire. You can't say, okay, now I'm gonna have a really a strong relationship with you uh, today, starting today. You need to start that early. You need to be interested in them in their lives and what's important and who they are and how they think about money. Uh, well, uh, in so many years ahead of when the, those events happen to ha ha occur. I found that that more often than not, all this other talk about markets and stocks and bonds, that's really the advisor's sort of internal role, something that comes up at investment reviews. But in reality, the, the, the relationship should be formed around all of that discovery work that's done all the way throughout the relationship. You know, okay, so we're meeting now, what's happening in your lives? The meetings should always be about what's going on, what's happening to you. Is, is everything okay? How's everything going? How are your children? Have they changed their minds about anything? Have you changed your minds about anything? Well, uncovering what's going on in their lives uh, yeah. so that you are better able to say, okay, well, that impacts, you know, what we're doing on the insurance side or it impacts what we're uh, doing on the investment side. Uh, uh, your your mother-in-law just died or your child is, you know, uh, is has decided to go to beyond university and attend Harvard. Uh, it's all of those nuances in the life that impact the financial, uh, the financial circumstances, the financial plan. In your book, you also advise that, or you talk about how advisors need to tell an interesting story about how they became a financial advisor. What, what are some of the touch points that advisors should focus on in telling their story? It has to be authentic. You can't make something up. Uh, but some of the stories that we have heard is is one uh, advisor that talked about uh, how his father passed away at a, a unexpectedly at a reasonably young age and how his mother was left completely blindsided. Um, he was in first year university. He actually came back and, and helped her uh, dig through their finances and, and figure out what was going on. And he, he decided right then and there that that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to help people. He wanted to make sure that this doesn't happen to other women. And I think he does uh, uh, focus on women. And uh, so that's a really authentic story. It's about helping. Um, another person we talked to, uh, you know, it was the same. He said, I, I always loved finances. I took economics in university. Um, but he also had this other much personal side where he coached a, a young women's a softball team. So he realized he loved coaching, he loved helping, he loved mentoring. And he thought this was a perfect opportunity to put the two together. So I think women want to hear, anybody wants to hear an authentic story so that it's not just about, well, I got into this business because I thought I could make a lot of money. It goes back and we say over and over, be authentic. You are far more interesting than you think you might be. Uh, I mean, oftentimes when Judy and I meet a new financial advisor, we'll ask them, 
you know, why did you become a financial advisor? Uh, and they'll start with, oh, I was good at math or I was, you know, I was in accounting or whatever it happens to be. But we, the more we let them talk, the more, and we say, well, so how did you get interested in that? Or what was your, you know, what was it like when you were growing up? And then we uncovered the most fascinating stories, the most interesting parts. And we, we often say when we hear that, part of it. We say, do you ever share that with clients? And they mm -hmm. think, oh my God, no, uh, I would never tell clients that. And we say, that's the story that make you you, that makes you right. uniquely you and that women will relate to. So tell that story uh, because that's where women will say, I can trust this person uh, because they helped their mom or they helped, uh, you know, their, their uh, aunt or whoever it happens to be that there's a story in there that makes you uh, the person that you are and the reason behind why you became a financial advisor is what women will connect with. Fascinating. I, I, I just wonder how often I, that that's not something people don't always think deeply or profoundly about their purpose. And, and so this sort of self-reflection, now that's something that you would do with advisors and your work with advisors is to help them to uncover these, these areas. And when to bring them up and how to bring them up. I mean, there's a saying, I'm sure you've heard it before, uh, no one cares which, how much you know until they know how much you care. And and that's where that begins, is uh, you want people to get vulnerable with you, to tell all of their secrets in their lives and all the, the, uh, the details, the financial details of their lives. Uh, but it's a two-way street. Um, if you want them to be vulnerable, you need to start talking about things that maybe you're not that comfortable with. But you'll find that once you start telling about yourself, not necessarily every detail of your life, but saying why you got into the business, um, uh, you'll find that people relate to you far better and that the trust begins almost immediately. Uh, yes, I connect with that. I can understand how that would be. Uh, that would be hard for a you know, a young man to ha see his father die and then watch his mother struggle. And immediately I, w I want to be able to say, I, or I say to him or her, um, I, I relate to this because something similar happened to me or something different, but, but in the same vein. And so it allows for that open conversation. And that's what advisors need to do. It's not something they've they've been necessarily doing uh, for all these years, but it is what's required today in terms of having better and deeper relationships with clients. I think there's a bit of a caveat there. We have had the occasional advisor be a little bit afraid of getting too, uh, too intimate and, you know, have said, you know, what happens when she starts telling me more than, than I'm capable of, uh, you know, that I don't want to deal with. And, and uh, Paulette pointed out really wisely that that just gives you an opportunity to lead them perhaps to something else. So you can still be a friend. You don't just ditch them and say, hey, I don't want to hear your personal problems. But you can say, hey, you know what? Uh, I, I understand that this is a very difficult time for you. Uh, I know a wonderful grief counselor that could help you or, you know, whatever, wherever you can, wherever you can, uh, 
send them to someone else that is more uh, more capable of helping with that particular thing. So I, I think you need to have a list of, you know, people that you can refer a person to if they start getting too deep into personal problems. Then uh, that can happen occasionally. And I think that's maybe a bit of a fear for male financial advisors who think, you know, in this day and age of, of uh, uh, you know, me too and so on, how do, where do I draw that line? So you can certainly be personal uh, and be a friend and be helpful. Uh, and, and, you know, there's a big difference between saying, hey, I, I know a great marriage counselor you might want to talk to than saying, you know, then getting into the nitty gritty of, you know, my husband cheated on me or whatever it is. There's some daunting aspects of the work. I mean, I, I think that's a well thought out solution to refer that client to somebody who could actually, who is equipped to to handle that situation. I think the best recourse is if you do feel uncomfortable, just listen, just listen. You don't always have to talk. You can just nod and listen and say, I understand completely. Um, and here's how I dealt with it. Or, or you know, here's a, here's a, a professional that, you, that I'm, I'm sure can help you. Uh, but you can just say, I understand. I empathize. Just listen. I was just going to say that uh, Judy and I did a webinar um, uh, not too long ago uh, talking about how to deal um, or uh, with a widow. And one of the suggestions that we had is oftentimes if she's sitting in your office and she's crying, she's not expecting you to solve this. Yeah. She's not expecting you to wave a magic wand and, uh, and it's all better. Uh, sometimes it's just a matter of listening to her, listening to her, allowing her the space to cry and to just, uh, you know, uh, share the the grief that she's feeling. And sometimes that's exactly what a client needs. They're not looking for you to fix anything. They're simply they happen to be at the moment in time uh, in a uh, at a place where they need to share this, and mm -hmm. uh, and you need to be able to sometimes just listen, just and and then if uh, if at the end of the conversation, just ask them, do you you know do you want some help with this? Do you want are you looking for someone you're you're able to talk to? And if they do, then ha make that yeah. connection and say, well, I know a grief counselor, or I know you know a marital uh, a counselor uh, that you can talk to. Uh, but again, uh, looking at these people, at the marriage counselor, the grief counselor, those become centers of influence, just like an accountant is, just like yeah. a lawyer is. Um, and so you, you can't just pick people out of the phone book. You need to really understand who they are and uh, the reputation they have. And, uh, and you need to do some work in relationship to, in relation to that. When a client feels comfortable uh, expressing themselves, and the key is just to naturally allow them to feel safe in doing that, it's very thoughtful that you've included all of this type of counsel and guidance in your book. This is a very productive way, relationship-wise, to, to help your clients beyond the scope of what you do. Absolutely. When you're working with couples, what are the risks, if any, of causing friction uh, over financial decisions? Are there any areas that, that you think are minefields? One of the things that's been shown is that people that are on the same page, couples that are on the same page financially, are actually happier. Um, they're relieved. So, you know, sometimes it's, as we said earlier, it's the man that's been the responsible and and he's the one that, that has made all the decisions. And when, it, when, when the financial advisor involves the woman, it's a relief. It's like, oh, 
well, you know, now we both know what's going on. So it's rarely, rarely uh, a point of conflict. And, and I would dare to say that if it's, you've got much bigger problems in your relationship, if that is going to be, is going to break the camel's back. It, it, I, I would say that in most situations, it's helpful rather than detrimental. Um, and again, I can talk about all the couples that we know, and certainly the stress is relieved. In some cases, I know where it's the woman that handles all the finances. And she said, oh, my goodness, like when, when Harry finally got on the same page, he, he could stop asking, you know, why, why are we paying this or why are we doing that? It's a relief for both of them. Um, wouldn't you agree, Paulette? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm not in a couple, but but certainly the stories that I've heard um, and the research that's been done is that uh, in a couple, both parties uh, feel more confident in the financial plan when they're both engaged and involved in decision making. Uh, and that's across the board uh, for everyone. Um, and that's why it's important to get uh, the the the, in many cases, it's the wife getting her engaged and involved. And in the beginning, uh, certainly some will resist, uh, but the advisor needs to stay at it. He needs to make sure that she comes to the table, that she understands what's going on, uh, to make it interesting for her, uh, to connect it to life goals. All of those things help uh, engage her in uh, in the financial matters of the family so that if something does happen to her husband, she's far at least she doesn't have to worry about that part of it. She can grieve in peace. Whereas if she hasn't been involved, every woman we've met who's become a widow who wasn't involved is very, very fearful because they don't understand any of it. And so wonder if they've got enough to pay for for everyday items, let alone uh, an income in retirement. So it's very important that she, that in the couple, both parties are at the table and both are engaged and involved in uh, in all of the conversations. Yeah, I was going to say, I think in, in some cases it forces a conversation between a couple and an and essential conversation that if they haven't had, they should have had. If an advisor says, uh, you know, to my husband, well, you know, what are your dreams for retiring? And he said, well, I'm going to buy a cottage and I'm going to fish all day. And I'm thinking, holy moly, that's not where I see retirement. So it'll give us an opportunity to talk about and make sure that we're on the same page. And I think that's a really good thing for couples who just tend to sort of go along their own track and never really talk about those things. If you're an advisor experiencing friction with a client couple, then really it's a sign of of miscommunication between between the husband and wife that means that that unless you get around that challenge you might actually have a hard time ultimately landing them as a couple if they can't both get on board with a unified vision of the future we, we often say that the retirement plan is really a plan for her rather than for him because chances are he will die first and it'll be her plan and so you've got to make sure that you capture what's important to her what matters to her especially for those later years in retirement and and capture that in the financial plan that you're creating. I mean, it's a fact that that uh, life expectancy of women is longer. To bring the subject of our conversation, the key is to create a female-friendly practice. Yeah. The problem of women being or feeling like they haven't been properly communicated with 
in the relationship with the advisor. Once a couple leaves meeting, they're going to talk between themselves. The wife will exert her influence in the conversation with the husband. I have to comment here about uh, the, you, you mentioned the natural, uh, the obvious uh, decision maker. Um, uh, I mean, that's a, a sign, first of all, that uh, we all have biases, revert or assume that men are the decision makers. Right. And when it comes to financial matters, if you think about uh, most of the uh, the purchases in the home are made by the women, most of the, even the big decisions on whether or not what kind of car to buy or, or what kind of vacation to take uh, are also made or strongly influenced by women. Uh, at, the natural decision maker should be the woman, and it's not. Uh, because we are biased towards thinking that men are the natural ones to manage the the long-term portfolio. And that's not the case at all. Um, And we've got to unbundle that, undermine that and say, she literally make, I've heard more stories from financial advisors saying, I thought I had the account. I met with the couple. I talked to him. Uh, He seemed on board. And when I followed up two days later, uh, I don't know what happened, but it all fell apart. And oftentimes it's the wife said, I I don't like him. I don't like how he came across. I don't like what he said. We're not not going to do business with him. And so advisors are well uh, served or serve their own interests by making sure that she is the one that they talk to. And and other advisors that I know say when a couple walks in, they immediately turn to the woman and make sure that she's the one that's happy because she's the one that can unravel this. One of the best examples, um, when Paulette and I first started doing uh, the white paper, we went out and we interviewed a lot of people. And a lot of people in my life were just friends. They weren't financial, uh, they weren't in the financial community. And I talked to one woman who I've known for many, many years, and she was divorced and remarried. And her, her new husband was it was her his second marriage as well. And they decided at some point to amalgamate their finances, which made sense. And he said, well, I've had a financial advisor for years. We went to college together and I've used him forever. And uh, she said, okay, fine. And, and they went in uh, to meet with him. And for various and sundry reasons, uh, she came out and she said, I think he's an ass. I don't like him. <laughs> and he said, oh, well. And so the account, she, she, they went, they both decided to find someone new. He said, well, I can't deal with him if you're not happy with him. So this advisor lost an account that he had since university because he didn't pay any attention to her. Uh, he looked at, at his his buddy basically and said, oh, you did well, as though she were a trophy of some sort. And she didn't like him at all. And just like that, she he lost an account. So, yeah, like Paulette said, he should have been, he should have looked at her as this is my new client and done everything he could and say, tell me about yourself. Lovely to meet you. Mm -hmm. It's terribly underestimated. I think we might be better served calling it a people friendly uh, rather than female friendly so that it it really is about people. And and sometimes what happens is when, when advisors hear female friendly, female friendly, oh, I have to paint my office pink and I have to, you know, put roses out. Um, and they get a little bit afraid. Am I going to alienate my male clients? Um, so I would, I would call it people friendly. Just be interested in people. Be human. 
it's best if you can establish sort of a universal approach based on the principles we've talked about to welcome and, and assume that both parties are co-decision makers. Well, well, we'll keep uh, uh, advisors relevant in this ever-changing world and uh, is are their pers- interpersonal skills, not their investing skills. Um, and we often say um, people don't want don't do business with you because you build the perfect portfolio. They build they they do business with you because they want someone who understands them and will help them achieve their goals. Uh, at the end of the day, that's that's what keeps an advisor front and center and uh, valuable to any other human being. Um, and that's what advisors need to work on. And women are a perfect gateway to that. What are some of your favorite stories? Well, I guess. I guess my favorite story is the last one we have in the book, which is uh, someone who uh, became a a woman who became a client of uh, her uh, university pal, uh, who became a financial advisor. And in the beginning, he was just trying to build a practice. um, And uh, so she didn't have a lot of money, but he was happy to take her on. He knew her well. uh, And he saw her through, you know, her marriage. Uh, Then they had a child, they bought a house, then they she ended up getting divorced. And through this whole uh, development, he was there to support her and uh, uh, to help figure out uh, the financial aspects of her life and make sure that she stayed on track. He wanted her uh, to be financially secure, and uh, he had a, a, a he had a very personal relationship with her. And it and it didn't matter how much money she had or didn't have. And and through the years, she ended up getting more money. But it was that personal connection that kept them together. And she started with him um, when she started working and uh, and through her entire life. And uh, they both. Uh, had such a personal collection that made it uh, irrelevant how much money she had. He just wanted to be helpful. And and I think that's the story uh, to me that every advisor would like to have a client from start to finish, from the beginning of their their investing life through to the end. And, um, but the way to get it is not to simply say, well, you don't have enough money for me to to do business with you, it's it's starting off and building this very personal relationship with people. And today, it's far easier for because uh, for the most part, financial advisors don't have thousands of clients as they used to have. Uh, when I started in the business, you did. You had thousands of clients. Uh, but now, uh, many of them have 100 or 70 uh, households. And so it's far easier to have these very personal relationships with those people uh, right from right from the start. Uh, and you just got to make sure that you're always brushing up on your, your personal skills. So that gave me time to think of my favorite story. And it was, it, well, we have quite a few, but I think this one really took the cake for me because it was when we first started interviewing um, advisors and we first started going out and talking to them. And we talked to one advisor who was actually doing very, very well with a female-based clientele. And, and we asked him a story, like, how did you get here? What, what happened? And he talked about how he was a nervous wreck. He said he was so stressed out with his client base. And when the when the markets were tanking, his clients were constantly on the phone. What are you going to do? I've lost so much. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And one day in particular, when the, the, the markets were terrible and he had a terrible day and he had so many people ragging on him. And at the end of the day, he realized he had an appointment 
to see one of his female clients. And it was the last thing on earth he wanted to do. He said, you know what? I, I just, I was driving, I was dreading it. It was a dreary day. And I thought, you know, she's just going to rag on me. And, and that's sort of the end of it. And he got there and he went through the front door and, and she welcomed him in. And before he could really start talking, she said to him, what's the matter? You look terrible. You look like you're... And he said, well, you know what? The markets aren't great. I'm not having such a good day. And she said, oh, I understand perfectly. She said, sit down, have a cup of tea, relax. She said, don't worry. You know, I'm, I trust you. I know that the markets are tanking, but they'll come back and, and I trust you. And he said that very moment, he had this huge epiphany. He said, wow, like, I really like dealing with female clients. And he started thinking about a few other female clients he had and realized that that was a sort of a common experience. Um, and he said right then and there, he decided that he was going to get rid of some of his clients that were always ragging on him and try and build a female-friendly practice. And and he did. And, and now he deals mostly with women. And he literally was at the point where he was going to quit the industry. And now he loves it. So that is my my favorite story. Those are they're both wonderful stories. I think I think it's been a really terrific conversation. So thank you so much, Paulette. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Chair. We we thank you. It's entirely our pleasure, and and I think it, it underscores the our, our message that women are quite happy to talk if you just ask them questions. So it's our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.